near sideline. Trinneman is there. Makes the catch at the 30, 20, 10, and just like that! Touchdown Cougars on the first play of the game! Takes it down the right side of the lane, right to the rim, scoop, and a score! It rolls around and drops down. Takes this free kick and curls it inside the left post. What a goal! He's been on the headset for the last quarter century of BYU sports. Now, he's on BYU Radio every week as we go behind the mic with Greg Rubel. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Hello, good evening. Cougar Nation. Welcome inside Studio 2 at the BYU Broadcasting Building here in Provo, Utah for tonight's inaugural edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. A weekly hour of conversations touching on both the present and the past of Cougar sports. It's time for me to talk with the people who are making news and who have made memories for BYU fans like you and me around the world and to share these conversations with all of you. I sincerely hope you'll enjoy our Wednesday nights together and I invite you tonight and every week to tune in here at BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app, and to join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag BYUBTM. If you can't join us live, listen on demand via the podcast feed on the Behind the Mic show page at BYURadio.org or through my Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast on all major podcast platforms. Now, each show will feature an opening segment where we'll hit what's happening now in Cougar sports. We'll do that each week with one of my colleagues from BYU TV Sports will then present uh, two in-depth interviews every week, uh, one with a current Cougar and one with a BYU Sports alum in our Catching Up with the Cougars segment sponsored by BYU Alumni. We'll also check in with Cougar Nation via Twitter and see what's on your mind. If you have questions or comments for me or our guests, just use the hashtag BYUBTM. That's for Behind the Mic. Tonight's show, we'll be visiting with BYU Director of Athletics, Tom Holmo. Of course, he's a former BYU Cougar and NFL defensive back as well as former BYU and NFL tight end and current Cougar Athletics Administrator Chad Lewis. They'll be joining me in studio later in this hour. But we kick off our first ever show with our first ever guest. And as mentioned earlier today on Sports Nation, he's going to be BYU TV sports personality and play-by-play man Spencer Linton. Spencer, good evening and welcome to you. It's great to be here, Greg. I kind of have to pinch myself. I, I, You scared me a little bit when you said you might be a trivia question answer at some point as the first ever guest on Behind the Mic with Greg Rebell. So hold on. I hope I don't mess it up for you. Well, it's funny that we're here in Studio 2 because a few years ago uh, you would have invited me to be your guest in this studio. Yeah. I mean, the, it's... There, I was telling you before the show, there's deep nostalgia in Studio 2, <laughs> the launch of BYU Sports Nation. And uh, so to be back in here, it feels pretty cool. And, I'm, I'm, you know, congratulations. It's, it's great to have you in the building. This is a show that uh, we've been hoping would happen for a very long time. Here we are. Behind the mic is, uh, is underway. It's great to be in the building every day. And, uh, yeah, Sports Nation, BYU Sports Nation began as a radio show and only a radio show. Now, of course, people know it as a simulcast on TV and radio, but it began here. It's, of course, expanded to uh, much greater venues and forums. And uh, I'm just glad to be a, a part of your team now here at, uh, at BYU Broadcasting. And what a great time to be doing this show. Camp, football camp, is about a week old. Soccer practice began today. Uh, you and I were watching some hoops last week at the Annex, and, and so it's that confluence of activity right now. 
whether it's football or soccer or basketball, uh, optimism reigns supreme right now, and for good reason, I think. Yeah, everybody's undefeated. There's always something to talk about. And it's just fun to watch the energy of the players. They know it, too. They know that that's something new and an opportunity for greatness awaits. Uh, the potential is is ready to ramp up and go. And so you mentioned the three sports that uh, uh, we've been watching recently between BYU women's soccer and basketball and football. It's it's hard not to buy into that contagious feeling of excitement that the players exude on their respective surfaces and, and playing fields. So, yeah, I mean, it's optimism is the word of the month for August. You had me on your show earlier today, BYU Sports Nation, and, and we talked about some of the things that uh, have impressed me or, or they're surprised or, or impressed for, from camp so far. Uh, you've been there as often as I have. Uh, what are the stickouts to you? What are takeaways from the first five or six days of football for me? And I shared with you today, uh, I just, it's just how deep I see BYU becoming. And, and of course, you, you want health to, to, to remain uh, there for BYU and the guys to be where they need to be when the season starts. But I, I just like how many guys I see at so many key positions. Uh, what for you uh, is one of the main takeaways from the first week? I like the way that the offense has answered the challenge from Ty Detmer to really grasp the concepts and the schemes and to master what he wants them to know. I feel like they are ahead of schedule. In fact, Ty said the receivers are ahead of where I thought they would be, and there was a ton of questioning coming into the season about, well, who is Tanner Mangum going to throw the ball to? Because long gone are the likes of you know, the Mitchell Jurgens and two years before that, Mitch Matthews and Devon Blackman and Taryn Houck and all these guys that have become household names. Well, Ty Detmer said, they're not household names right now, but they will be household names. So I really like the emergence of the wide receivers. And then you mentioned the depth. Uh, I think every coach I've had a conversation with says, man, I just feel like we're in a much better position than we were last year, not just understanding the schemes that we're trying to roll in, but guys, like they're making my job hard. Everybody's <laughs> fighting for an opportunity to get on the field, and that's a good place to be in. So I like that. I like the depth. That, that's that's the word of camp thus far, especially yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. Hashtag BYUBTM. That's BYU behind the mic. If you want to join the conversation on Twitter throughout the hour tonight, AD Tom Holmo and former BYU tight end current administrator Chad Lewis coming up in studio later in, in this hour. Jonah Trinneman comes back with the most receptions among last year's wideouts. And as we've talked about either here uh, at BYUB or on Twitter, there aren't too many career catches from the current wide receiver group. Now, that, that, that number is going to go up exponentially really quickly because they're who you've got now. So Trinneman comes back with the pub and, and the numbers and the reps. But man alive, I've been impressed with, uh, with, with, with uh, Talon Shumway, uh, Neil Pau'u. Now, Neil Pau'u doesn't get a lot of conversation, but, man, 6'4", doesn't drop anything that I've seen. And, and when you see the first team go out in, in a team session, 11-on-11, 11 11, you'll see number 84, Neil Pau'u, as part of that group uh, frequently uh, through the first week of camp. And so clearly he's making strides to the point where he's kind of putting himself in that rotation. Micah Simon, uh, we knew he'd use the redshirt season to his advantage, and he's been really, really good. Uh, so Neil, Talon, Micah, uh, Aleva Hifo, another guy that's been catching a lot of balls. Jonah's got, again, Jonah's got reps. You kind of know what he can do. Bo Tanner had but one catch last year, um, and, and he wants to get back to, I, I think, you know, full speed 100% in terms 
of just working through the little first week of camp nags that hit you. But I like Bo as, as a talent, too, both as, as a, a receiver of the ball and a guy with a ton of speed. So, you know, you could mention five or six more wide receivers, but I don't think BYU is going to worry too much about who's catching the ball from Tanner Mangum. And, and we're already excited by the two new additions at, uh, at tight end with Moroni Lulupututau swinging in and, uh, and Matt Bushman coming uh, back to the program. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure where he's going to play or how much he's going to play or where he's going to be eventually, but Bentley Hanshaw makes a lot of catches, too. His dad was an O-lineman and a former 49er, uh, and, and his son is going to be a tight end for us, it appears, and I like what he's done in the first week, too. So uh, hard not to be excited about uh, the crop of guys that aren't well-known yet but what soon will be, right? Yes, yeah, certainly. And you bring up Neil Pau. And talking with Ben Cahoon today, he was very quick to bring up his name. No one's talking about him, but holy cow, I, I don't think I've seen him drop a ball in camp. And I joked with Butch Powell as I did an interview that uh, you'll see on BYU Sports Nation tomorrow. I said, well, he, he's having a good camp because I haven't had an opportunity to hit him yet. <laughs> so <laughs> the Powell on Powell crime is, uh, is apparently in the works. But man, yeah, man alive, he is really having a solid camp for BYU. And they bring up a number of names. They just look sharp. They look fast. Uh, they look ready to prove a point that uh, they are going to as you said, exponentially improve in the passing game. And we all know that the way that the BYU offense was set up last year, it was not a primarily passing offense. You had the number two of the top five rushers all time in Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. So, yeah, I'm with you. They're going to sling it all over the field, and I'm looking forward to these guys being able to do as tight Emmer says, make names for themselves. Comforting to have T. John Karoma back for another season as your starting center, what he's been since he was a freshman. Uh, someone's going to emerge, or a combination of guys in the backfield among the backs looking to, to replace uh in a combined sense, uh, Jamal Williams, and there's not a lot to worry about defensively um, because they're so already well-established. Yes, you lose some primary D linemen, and, and Kainakua is a significant loss, but uh, the people are there, and I don't think the uh, secondary coaches are blowing smoke when they talk about their comfort at corner right now with their top three or four or their top six, seven, or eight at safety right now. Mm. Uh, the, you know, the big three, or as I call them, the LB3, if you will, uh, the LB3 <laughs> with, uh, with Butch and Francis and Fred are as good as they come, and behind them, them. There's a lot of talent, and I just love how how much bigger and stronger Coach Tuiaki's D line has gotten. So, uh, right now, I can look at every spot on the football field and, and smile. Nothing's been played yet, but uh, I don't think it's false hope at this point. Uh, the basketball team we got to see a little bit last week, and and man alive, just the the guys that uh, you, you lose. Uh, uh, a notable talent in Eric Mika, but I think net gain uh, overtakes net loss right now with the guys that, that Dave's brought in. A different, really different look uh, for the team, and I think fans will be excited to see it. Uh, Yoli, I mean, we watch however long we watch, and <laughs> the percentage of points that Yoli Child scored for his team was a high number. Well, and not only that, but like dunking the ball. I think you said it best. Yoli dunks a lot. <laughs> he, he really does. He's so explosive around the hoop. He's kind of flipped that switch mentally. Like He was really good at moments last year, but now I kind of feel like he has embraced this idea that, look, I'm the guy, and I'm cool with that. I, I'm good demanding the ball and going to work inside. And that's a really good sign as a young player 
for this Dave Rose team. Nick did a lot of good things last year, but he's going to be, I think, really back this year. And and don't over uh, don't overlook just having Nick and TJ back on that guard line. What it'll mean to BYU. And if, if Elijah Bryant gets back to full health, we think he's getting close, right? Uh, wow, uh, it's going to be a deep and talented and and deep shooting uh, guard line. And, and with Yo kind of manning things up front, uh, I'm excited for the looks the BYU hoops is going to show. I think we're both on the headset Saturday, right for uh, women's soccer. Um, you guys will have your first broadcast win on TV. Do you know when that's coming uh, that up? That will be on the 21st, Monday, I believe, against Ohio State. So that will be the home opener for BYU, will it not Correct. be? Correct, yeah. yeah, the home opener for BYU. And we'll, uh, we'll actually be on the radio this Saturday. You'll be on site Saturday, but we'll be putting it on the radio Saturday. My new broadcast partner, Paige Hunt Barker, with me. So Paige and I will have the uh, blue-white exhibition match as women's soccer gets going. And yeah, they started today, and they've got two-a-days. They still do two-a-days, and they're in the second. They'll be t- uh, kicking off their second practice here at the top of the hour. And uh, Jen Rockwood, we've just kind of getting used to her rolling out ranked teams that uh, win a ton of games every year and score a bunch of goals. We expect nothing less this year. That's a sneaky team. I had somebody ask me the other day, who's going to be the best or highest ranked BYU team on campus this year? Holy cow, BYU women's soccer has an opportunity to do that. And, And some people say, well, wait, didn't they lose two top 11 picks to the professional draft, Ashley Hatch and Michelle Vasconcelos? Yes, but when you return Nadia Gomes, who two years ago, while Ashley was banged up, was the West Coast Conference Player of the Year, not to mention Hannah Clark, an experienced keeper who had an amazing run last year, coming in uh, in replace of injured keepers. Man, it feels good. you got the Defensive Player of the Year in the West Coast Conference, Taylor Ison back, and those midfielders are just really, really good, led by Busy Phillips. Like The, <laughs> the team, it's kind of weird to think, could they be better than last year when you lose? Same, same question about Eric Mika, right? Yeah, How can yes. you be better than losing you know, a pro? And uh, same thing with soccer, but I expect her to do just that. There, yeah. There's a lot of talent left. There really is. I look forward to seeing you on um, Press Row throughout the year at Southfield. And uh, Spencer, I thank you for coming in and being guest number one on show number one of BYU Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Thank you. I'm honored. It's, uh, it's not every day you get to be the first guest for, uh, for a guy like this. And quarter of a century, man. Congratulations. And you're a great lead-in to tonight's show. Uh, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation's re-air every day, weekday, at 5 o'clock Mountain Time, 7 o'clock Eastern on BYU Radio. And on Wednesdays, it'll lead right into our show. We will see you on the TV and hear you on the radio tomorrow for another BYU Sports Nation, 10 a.m. Mountain, noon Eastern. Spencer, again, thank you. You got it. I'll be there. All right, coming up in our next segment, we're bringing in the Director of Athletics for BYU. He is Tom Holmo, a former BYU defensive back, a former professional defensive back and Super Bowl ring winner with the 49ers. He's been in coaching and administration for a lot of good years. We'll talk with Tom Holmo in studio live as we continue. This is the debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYUradio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Back in Studio 2 here in the BYU Broadcasting Building, welcome to our premiere edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app. On Twitter, hashtag BYUBTM if you want to join the conversation. And crossing my Twitter feed just a few moments ago, out of the NCAA March Madness Twitter feed, BYU Athletics Director Tom Holmo has been reappointed 
to the Division I Men's Basketball Committee for the 2017-18 season. So a bit of breaking news on our first show, and Tom Holmo is in studio for our first edition. So that's current and new and happening. How about this? That is fresh, and yeah. uh, I'm really excited for the news. Uh, it's kind of been in the works a little bit, but there are some policies and procedures that they need to go through to get that voted in. And uh, I love the members of the committee that have are currently on it and moving forward and the ones that just went off the last couple of years. Uh, it's just been an incredible experience. And I feel like I feel really a loyalty to when they asked me to come back to be a part of that team. I think the quote from one of the Godfather movies was, every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. (laughs) (laughs) But you're happy to be in. in. I'm happy to be in. They they didn't have to pull too hard. You know, uh, people know Tom Holmo and have for so many years. and, And because of the time you've spent in the Bay Area, so much time in the Bay Area, people kind of connect you to that area of the country. But let's go back a little further. You were a SoCal kid. Oh, you were an yeah. L.A. boy. I'm a beach boy at heart. I, I grew up in La Crescenta, which is kind of inland a little bit, but I, I just loved the beach when I was a kid. So uh, growing up in L.A., I was an L.A. boy. We, 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 didn't, we weren't – I was a little bit too old to be SoCal. But uh, I always loved L.A. I thought it was the greatest place ever to grow up. Sports were good. People were good. Food was good. The beach was there. The mountains was there. But that's my home – that's my upbringing. Not sure if everyone knows this. You were not the first one in your family to earn a Division I football scholarship. Yes, that's correct, Greg. Uh, my older brother, Steve, who's nine years older than me, uh, received a scholarship to play football at UCLA. And I, I remember when I was a kid, you know, like, he's nine years older. So when he was in high school, I was just like a toddler. But I would go to the football practices um, with my dad sometimes after elementary school and I would just just dream about playing high school football. And then he got a scholarship to UCLA, and this was my mentor. This was the guy that taught me everything. And he was the star. He was bigger than me, and, and he played every sport. And I just want to follow in his footsteps. So when he got a scholarship to UCLA, that became my goal. And at that point in time, when I was like 9 or 10, that was all of a sudden I wanted to be – a college football player. And that, that's a little young for 10-year-olds to be dreaming about that. But that's when I first started dreaming because of Steve. Now, before that happened, before Steve got the UCLA scholarship, you're in the area. So were you a UCLA or USC guy just by nature? Well, I liked UCLA a lot uh, because just the UCLA basketball, they were so good. And USC was so good in football. So it always used to bug me when people say, well, I like USC in football and UCLA in basketball. You can't do that. That's incredible. You can't do that. And so I was kind of a UCLA guy. guy. But when he went there, that sealed the deal. And I I remember as a kid, any UCLA game they played, if they'd lose, I'd cry. I'd cry. And that's when I knew – Hey, there's something about sports. <laughs> it does it for it me. It does it for me. Yeah. And, and, and to this day, it's funny. When I watch UCLA and USC, I'm rooting like crazy for UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, your brother Steve, he didn't get too deep into his UCLA career before he suffered a serious injury. How much did that play into your life at that time? Greg, it changed everything for me because I was just a young kid, and I remember it well. My family had gone up to Palo Alto uh, UCLA was playing Stanford, 
and on the road. And in those days, Steve played bef- when the freshmen had to play on the freshman team. You couldn't be on the varsity team as a freshman. So this is around 1970. 70, yeah. yeah. And uh, so – he was playing, and they'd play a game almost like high school. You'd have the JV game before the varsity, and they played right before the varsity game. It was crazy. And in that game, he he had a collision, and he fractured a vertebrae in his neck, and that was the last play. Of, he ended up being okay health-wise, but um, it was hard. He 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 didn't couldn't finish school at UCLA academically because emotionally he was an NFL guy. Mm. He was a sure shot NFL guy, and the next year. The start, the bat, his backup on the freshman team started at UCLA, and that did him in. He just the feelings of not being able to play. A couple of years later, you know, he, he got his act back together, and he came to me and said, "Look, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. You're not going to be just a football player. You're going to be a good student. You're going to concentrate on academics. You can do them both." And so he mentored and tutored me along football wise but also academically. So when I got to the academic or when I got to high school, I had academic choices and I had football choices and I, I really could have gone either way and I'm I'm grateful to Steve for helping me along that road. So as you're making your choice based on both academics and athletics, where did BYU fit in at that point for you? Uh, it really didn't fit in. <laughs> I mean, you're, 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 you're not Mormon. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not LDS at the time, and I'm down in L.A., and, and I get a letter from BYU, and I kind of just laughed. I really didn't know much about it. I did know that the quarterback was Giff Nielsen. You know, that shows you what the impressions because that Lavelle's Because by now, BYU's offense, making some news as, a, as, a, as a throwing team. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know much more about that. But here's the thing I knew. This was kind of uh, interesting. I had a lot of friends that were LDS. And when I'd go up to them and go, hey, I got a letter from BYU. they go, you got to go there. you got to go. And they just kind of influenced me and kept the pressure on me, kept talking to me. And, uh, you know, through the recruitment process, uh, they made it interesting. But I, it, it wasn't even in the, on, the, on the radar until Lavelle Edwards and Fred Whittingham and Dick Felt started recruiting me. When that started happening and you began encountering Lavelle in your home, I'd imagine, at some sure, point, right? Sure. What are the impressions you're left with as you start meeting these, these BYU coaches? Well, you know how recruiters are. I mean, they're ruthless, and they'll say anything to get you. And, uh, you know, my, I had the opportunity to go through recruiting with my brother. I remember sitting in the, in the living room when my brother was getting recruited to all the schools. And so my mom and dad and my brother would talk about how it went afterwards. And I remember those days. Well, when I was going through recruitment, my brother and mom and dad were also going, hey, look, we've been through this before. And it gets nasty. And you can't really rely on what everybody says. Greg, this is the difference. Lavelle Edwards told me on my recruiting trip to BYU, he said, you know, Tom, you're a good player. I really like it. And I think you could be a good player from BYU. And I think that if you play your card right, cards right, you try to work hard in school academically and you stay out of trouble, you, you probably have a chance to maybe start on this team as a junior. And I'm like looking around, wait, are you trying to recruit me? I, I'm on a, I can play right now. You're telling me my future is two and three years That's away right, here. down the yeah. road. And every other coach is saying, oh, you can do it. I think you can play as a, soft, a freshman. You know, you can do it. You can, you know, you can come right in. And when I, when I thought about it and I started to put all the recruiting pitches together – I really said, you know what? I think Lavelle's the only guy that's telling me the truth. Hmm. And as it turned out, I really didn't start until my sophomore year, which was my third year. Which was after a redshirt freshman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in reality, he told me the truth. 
because he that's the way Lavelle was. So you talk about Lavelle telling you the truth. And there's a time in your true freshman year, becomes a redshirt year for you, where he looks across the desk from you or wherever he was and says, you're not going to make it here. Yeah, he did. I, Why you know, did he tell you that? Because I was a knucklehead. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was just, I wasn't, I was redshirting and I wasn't playing. So I lost concentration and focus. And I actually really did well in school, but I just was not what I doing what I should do. And Lavelle, like he always was great at, pulled me in. I, was, I wasn't a contributor. I was a redshirt. But he pulled me in, and, and you know, that's the, the beauty of Lavelle is he connected with me as a redshirt freshman and said, look, I told you when I recruited you that you're going to be a player. You're going to have a great year. You're going to have great success at BYU. But you can't mess around. You can't be an idiot. And you've got to straighten your life out if you want to be serious about your future. And you know, he just had a way of touching your heart and where you'd listen to him. And from that moment, you know, I started to realize that, hey, he's right. I got I to listen to this guy. I came here primarily because of him. And so I should listen to him. He's my coach. Now, now you were at this time, admittedly, kind of a homesick freshman. And you're wondering if ultimately this is ultimately going to be what you're going to do for the next three or four years. You talk about um, during your redshirt year, your dad coming up or coming down, whatever the case may be, and spending a really meaningful time with Lavelle talking about you and about, I guess, a lot of different things. And your dad had had a lot, uh, had had some good impact, good input about what Lavelle was going to do for you, right? Well, it was pretty simple. I mean, it was, at, it was actually during a practice. Uh, he had come up to see me around the Thanksgiving time. I was, he knew I wasn't sounding great on the phone. <laughs> and so mom and dad decided we better come up and see what's going on with this kid. And so they come out to practice and it was the initial before practice, and my dad corners Lavelle coming onto the field. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what are you doing, Dad? And uh, and he starts talking to – Lavelle starts talking to my dad. So practice starts, and Lavelle's still talking to him 10, 15, 20 minutes into practice. I'm just dying, thinking, what in the world can my dad be saying to Lavelle for all that time? And after about a half an hour, Lavelle finally comes out to practice. After practice is over, I walk over to my dad. Dad, what, what in the world could you have been saying, Lavelle? And he says, hey, I just got one thing to say to you. I talked to that coach of yours, Lavelle, for about a half an hour. And after talking to him, you need to just be quiet. You need to zip your lip and you need to get to work. You're in good hands with that man. You're not that coming home. You're not coming that home. That was it. I'm yeah. not coming home. Yeah. And that was it. And in a half an hour's time, Lavelle convinced him that you should be on my side, not your son's. <laughs> and I really, from that point forward, I, I never looked back. But you still had a freshman year to go through. And your redshirt freshman year, you weren't starting every game at that point. It took a while before you got to fulfill the vision, right? It, it sure did. And, you know, Greg, that's one of the blessings of me being in that experience, being a BYU student athlete as a redshirt. I talk with players all the time. These young kids come in and nowadays, you know, AAU coaches and high school coaches and club coaches, they got these kids convinced that they should be the stars of the team as freshmen. And it's really, really hard at BYU. It's hard at any school. But I think because of my experience here and the fact that I had struggles, that I wasn't exactly the perfect citizen, (laughs) that I wasn't a star right off the bat, that I can tell these guys, hey, look, sit down. You know, long, long time ago, I tell them the grandpa story where I can just say, hey, look, you know, you're going to be all right. You just got to hang in there, but you got to fight and you got to be on the line. Anybody in life that wants to achieve greatness, you got to focus, you got to work, and you got to have a dream. And right now, the kids that are 
kind of uh, uh, veering off the path. They don't have focus, and it's good. It's it's easy for me to look them in the eye and say, "Hey, look, I've been down that road." So, if anyone thinks of Tom as as the Bay Area lifetime Mormon, you were the L.A. non-Mormon that came to BYU, <laughs> and it all worked out. Where did the where where and when did the church aspect of it kind of come in for you? Well, I think it came in right away. I you know when I came to BYU on my recruiting trip, there's just something about it. It felt different. It was my first trip, so it made a huge impression. But, Greg, every additional trip that I went on, I took four other trips. I'd get on the plane. I'd have a great time because coaches can make you have a good time on a trip. Mm-hmm. When I was on, my, on the plane ride home, I'd be thinking, you know what? I like BYU better than this school. And then the third week and the fourth week and the fifth week. And at the end of the time, I'm like, hey, BYU is a place. And, that, and then from that time forward, I just kind of had that feeling. When I got here initially, it wasn't fun. You know, it was hard. I wasn't playing. I was feeling sorry for myself. But after I got my act together, um, just the people, Greg, that's what it's all about. I mean, I started listening to people and, and uh, seeing the goodness in them, great characteristics I wanted to pattern my life after. And that's what made things change for me. Tom's football career at BYU had a lot of accolades, made a lot of picks, became a fourth-round NFL draft pick. We all know that he went on to great success uh, with the 49ers and won some Super Bowl rings. Did you, in the midst uh, of your NFL time, say, this is, this is exactly what I had planned? This is the way it's turning, turning out the way I thought it would at that point? Never. I mean, I was in high school, and I, I didn't know how it was going to turn out in high school. I didn't know how it turned out at BYU, and I didn't know how it turned out in the NFL, and I'm not sure how it's going to turn out as being AD at BYU. <laughs> but I think the thing that really I learned in high school, when I was in high school, I was not the best player on my team ever. I grew up in a great area. And when I came to BYU, I was never the best player on my team. But what I learned in high school, and Coach Edwards and the team here taught me, is if you can play a role that helps the team win, you'll have fun, you'll have success, you'll be fulfilled, and you'll win rings. And uh, it's just a great formula. It's really the secret to success. And it's not just in football. It's in any sport or any company, any family. You have to contribute in a role that you play. And so – I went to the 49ers and a lot of people wanted to be the star and I I knew my role that Bill Walsh told me is this what I need you to do play it to perfection and you'll always be able to play and people would look at me and I was like the I was like the last guy to make the team every year but I was made <laughs> the team and I I really credit to being because even though I wasn't the best player I fulfilled a role in the team that helped them win and I I think that that's what I take away. That's why I never really know. I don't really try to be the best guy. I try to be my best self. And if everybody can be their best self, you are going to win. It's just behind the mic with Greg Grubel, our debut edition. Hashtag BYUBTM on Twitter. BYUAD Tom Holmo is our guest. Coming up in a bit, uh, Chad Lewis will be next in studio. Anybody who gets a Division One scholarship or is good enough to then be an NFL draft pick, there's a certain measure of uh, ego, for lack of a better word, about you're good enough to do this. Ego can really get in the way of team accomplishment a lot of times, doesn't it? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to watch is to watch egos crush opponents. (laughs) I hate watching it here. But, you know, ego is an interesting thing, Greg. I, I mean, I think all successful people have a healthy ego. People that crash and burn have... You know, ego's too big for themselves. And, you know, one of the things that I would say maybe about myself is that 
I have a burning fuel going in my gut. And I think in my mind and in my passion and my heart that I can do a lot of great things. But I just don't wear it on my sleeve. I think some people have been trained and taught that you got to be brash, you got to be out front, and you got to let people see that ego. Well, everybody has a different case, but I, I think for me, what works is you know, let that fire burn inside and, and go get them from there. As a player, you win a lot of rings. As a coach, you win another Super Bowl ring. You've coached at BYU, at Stanford, with the Niners, with Cal, and now you're you're an administrator here at BYU and have been the AD since 2005. I recall a time, this is kind of out of nowhere, but back in the day, somewhere in the 90s, you got your master's here at BYU, right? It was a master's or or master's, right? Master's degree. Am I right or wrong about recalling that your master's thesis involved involved team captaincy and its effect on teams? right. What do you still take from that experience that applies today to either teams that you were on or teams you observe now that, that really actually has something to say about how the role of a captain? Well, I really chose that topic of team captaincy selection because I loved and was really enthralled by leadership. I had been around high school football, college football, and the NFL with the 49ers, and I saw how important leadership was. And captaincy is such an interesting part of athletic teams. Little league teams sometimes will have captains. But um, when you get to the upper levels, the captains play various roles. And um, I really think that everyone on the team should have leadership roles. Not every leader is going to be a captain, but all captains have to give great leadership. And I I just look at that and I'm able – I did a ton of research. I talked to a variety of 80s and coaches. I talked to John Wooden Mm. by phone. And got to ask him about what he thought about team captaincy selection. So this UCLA fan from back in the day was <laughs> like, this was a great feel, a great day for you. Yeah, you know, I, I have a we have a mutual friend that put us in touch, and the phone rang, and he picked it up. Hello. Yeah. I'm like, coach, <laughs> this is Tom Holmes. I was shaking. I was so nervous. I said, yeah. Could you answer a few questions? Yes. You know, and I'm asking him these questions. And he's a- answering in such depth and so. Uh, polite and so warm and friendly and and I could get feedback in. I hung up the phone and said, you've got to be kidding me. It was really one of the highlights <laughs> of my career was a phone call talking to John Wooden. And, and he, some of the things that he said were really helpful to me. In the time we have left, and we could go a lot longer about a lot of these topics, uh, you've been a player at the highest level, a coach at the highest level, now an administrator at the highest level in this country. Um, if you had to kind of look at the three as, as different roles, where, where do you find the most challenge or most reward of the different roles you've, you, you've filled? You know, I really don't think that there's much difference. I mean, certainly people say, what do you like the best? I said, well, you play as long as you possibly can till they tell you you can't. And for you, you, and for you in the NFL, that was seven, seven years. years. And then you become a coach. <laughs> and then you do that as long as you can. And they kick you out. And then you become an administrator. So I'm at the end of the line here, Greg. <laughs> Um, but really, I, I kind of look at this as you, you just kind of fill it up. You know, I think there's challenges at every level. There's fun, exciting, exhilarating wins and terrible, crushing blows that are losses. And you just got to learn through the years that you, you got to take the good, the bad, and the ugly and grow. You got to just keep growing. And I just love – my favorite thing about the job right now is watching the young kids 
and they're young compared to me now. <laughs> but that's my favorite part. I used to be more enthralled with the administrative duties and how the how that worked. I spend most of my time now with the student athletes and the coaches because it's my bliss. I, I mean, at this point in my career, anything I can do to help them is way more important than anything that's going to happen to me. So I, I think I'm at a place in my career where I'm really comfortable, and I felt comfortable with the 49ers at that part, maybe the sunset in my career, where I, I mean, they say in the NFL that your, your physicality grows and then it turns and it goes down. It rarely comes back up. And your mentality and your emotional acumen is going up against that. And they meet. And for some people, it's in one day. You're at your apex but there's physically, a sweet spot. physically and emotionally. <laughs> and I say on that day, that was a Tuesday. That was my day off. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, the thing that I loved in the NFL was when my physical tools started to diminish, but I could still play because of the mental and the mm. emotional. And, and that, that was a huge thing for me in the NFL. Um, that's helped me a lot as an administrator, knowing that you've got a lot of tools at your disposal. Use them. Don't just have one thing that you go to. You can't just go to the fastball. You got to have a change. You've got to have a curve. You got to have a sinker. And I try to, you know, strengthen my you know, my sweet spots and not be really weak in certain areas. How is it having six hundred plus kids these days? I love it. Six hundred thirty-one, Greg. And you know, I think it's it's something every year where I go to our compliance guy and go, "Give me the number. I want the exact number because every one of those kids count." You know, there's a red shirt kid somewhere on that freshman or on that freshman class that's Tom Homo in, hmm. in 2017, like I was in 1978. And what I try to do, and I try to help all our coaches do, is find that kid, and we got to get that kid to the end of their career. They want them to have challenges and successes on the field, and challenges and successes and a diploma in their hand at hmm. the end. And that's it. That's all that matters right now. They're going to have wins and losses, hopefully some trophies, a few medals here and there. But in the end, you got to come away from here with a feeling in your heart that I did everything I did. I went to the best school in the country, and I'm a BYU grad. You know, played a little ball too. Mm. That's a cool thing. Last thing. I'm sure there are some out there that go uh, say BYU's a, a misfit. They're not P5. They're not G5. Where are they? I think that BYU's actually been able to – hammer out and chisel out a really, really good place to be right now in the world of BYU athletics. And I think they fill that spot as well as could be expected. I'm comfortable with where BYU is and who BYU is in this world and this landscape of college athletics. And I think it's in large part to what you and your coaches and players have been able to do in the last number of years of independence primarily. Um, I don't fret. I don't really – and again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not you. I don't have all of your worries and responsibilities, but I'm, I smile when I think about where BYU is in the world right now. <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way, Greg, because <laughs> I kind of look at it like we're in the eye of the tornado. <laughs> you know, and what I mean by that is I hear that in the middle of the tornado, it's calm. Calm, yeah. But everything around it's it swirling is around. really swirling. And, you know, you get too close to the outside, <laughs> you're going to get caught up in that tornado. And uh, you know, we at BYU and any school in the country, you live in a glass house. It's tough. There's a lot of legislation and there's challenges and there's 
games and scheduling and there's so many things going on and you just got to keep your head down. You got to keep focused on the horizon and you got to keep growing. And, and right now, independence, WCC, it's working for us. Um, are there bigger things on the horizon? Yeah, I think so. But if you, if you look too far down the ro- road and you don't keep your eye on the prize, you're going to get lost. So right now for us, um, keep your balance, you know, keep the passion, pe- pe- passion churning. And uh, I just feel that something special is brewing for BYU. Well, I'm with you, and, and just keep calm in the eye of that uh, in the eye of that hurricane. We love having you uh, lead things, Tom, and and be in charge of this. And I know it's a it's a grand team effort, but uh, we consider you the team captain. So thanks. Thank you for having me on your show. I can't wait to see how this goes. Uh, you know, one of the things that's been great with BYU broadcasting, BYU TV sports, is that. It markets and promotes our student-athletes, our teams, and our coaches. And the more that Cougar Nation can get of our players, the more they're going to feel you know, the beauty of these kids, the more support they're going to get, and the stronger we're going to grow. So thanks for all you do, Greg. Tom, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, so we are heading to break. Chad Lewis is coming up next. Chad is, like Tom Homo, a former BYU athlete, a great tight end. Went on to professional fame as well and is, like Tom, an administrator here at BYU Athletics. Chad Lewis, my friend, is coming in next as we continue. This is the debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. We're on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio app, hashtag BYUBTM on Twitter. Chad Lewis next. Great to have you with us. Stay with us. We're back right after this. With the BYU license plates, no matter where you are, you show your cougar spirit and you make it possible for students to get an education. The donation you make when you get the license plates goes to support BYU scholarships. So whether spreading cougar pride coast to coast or getting to the big game, you're also funding scholarship opportunities for BYU students. Learn about free special plates today at alumni.byu.edu slash plates. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. And it is time for us to go catching up with the Cougars. Brought to you by BYU Alumni. Connected for good. Find your chapter and get connected at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. Every week we'll catch up with the Cougars, bringing in a former BYU player, coach, or in this case, a current BYU administrator that is both of those things. Chad Lewis is with us in studio on our debut edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. Chad, I thank you for coming in and be a, being a part of night number one. I, when I had to dream up the guest list for the first show, you and Tom uh, both came to mind immediately. You both represent to me uh, everything that, that BYU athletics can and should represent, both at the collegiate level, the professional level. It is so good to have you back at BYU and to have you in studio with me here tonight. Thank you. I love it. I'm, I'm happy today. And in 16 and a half years, I'm going to look back and say, I was, I was on the inaugural show. <laughs> It's big time. I, I miss you as my neighbor uh, uh, where I live, and so I, I, had, I had to reconnect with you. Yeah, just moved back to Orem. Feels good to be my, close to my parents. It'll Which nice. is what everyone associates with you. You're the Orem Tiger, right? You're the Orem guy. So how is it that you were born in New Jersey? My dad was in uh, the Army, a doctor in the Army. So uh, Frank O'Harris, running back for the Steelers and 
myself are the only two NFL players born in Fort Dix, New Jersey, baby. <laughs> when did you move to Orem as a family? Uh, we moved uh, after Fort Dix, moved to Fort Ord, California for mm-hmm. three years. So when I was three and a half, I moved to Orem. And, uh, and you were Tiger for life Sundance, at that point. And, yeah, I've yeah. been, been here ever since. So uh, the year BYU wins the national championship in football is 1984. Mm-hmm. You grade. were starting eighth grade. I was starting my freshman year at BYU. BYU at Pitt, and we watched the game together, even though you didn't know it and I didn't know it. <laughs> that was the day I moved into Deseret Towers, and I'm a homesick, crying freshman. My parents have you left. For, the my Center. parents have left for Canada. They're gone. I'm sitting. There, I'm weeping in the room by myself, thinking, "What am I doing?" And I look out the window at DTQ Hall, and a stream of students are walking past the dorms. Where are they going? What's going? This is Saturday after school doesn't start. Where are they going? I get in line. I, I just follow the crowd. <laughs> I end up in the Marriott Center watching a football game so on the sweet. big screen. Adam Haysburg, baby. <laughs> so that was my first exposure to BYU football oh, was that, that was Saturday great. afternoon in the Marriott's. And you were there, too. I was there with you. That was sweet. All my friends. Uh I just will not forget that game. The feeling I had, Robbie Bosco to Adam Haysbert to win it. Um, oh, that was sweet. I had come down from Canada, knew nothing about collegiate football, BYU sports. I was just being introduced to it literally that day, and I thought, this is awesome. Yeah, and so then they didn't, win, they, didn't, they didn't lose. They kept winning and winning, and I would go to class on Monday with the Daily Universe, checking out the rankings, or moving up, or moving up, or moving up, <laughs> and all of a sudden we're 13-0, and and there I am, back home, in Calgary at the Parkland Stakes Center, watching on a, a satellite TV screen there, <laughs> BYU and Michigan win the national championship. Think, That's my school! That's right. So, wait, no boat did the tech. Come on. So there I yeah, was, was in, celebrating a national title up in Canada. Um, Good vintage thir- for BYU athletics. There were 13 some years there It was a great year to have a freshman incredible. year, I'll tell you that. I thought that's what happened every year. Who was Larry Harmer? For people that aren't really, really up to speed with their BYU football and don't know every single player, who was Larry Harmer and what did he mean to you? I met Larry Harmer in Taiwan as a missionary. He's the one that had a – he was an All-American uh, high school player out of Olympus High School. Mark Lyons was his coach. Hmm. He had a scholarship to BYU, and every day on our missions, he talked to me about walking on to the BYU football team. He pumped me up enough that when I got home um, – I was going to do it, but I was still waffling, and he finally got in my face. And uh, Larry Harmer said, Chad, I'm not going to mess with you. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. If you pray about it, because I know if you pray about it, you're going to do it. So if you promise me you'll pray about it, I'll, I'll leave you alone. So I took about two weeks. I prayed like my life depended on it. And uh, I definitely 100% conviction got my answer to play football. I went in and uh, talked to Coach Chow, Coach Pella, and they looked at me like, what you want to do, string bean? <laughs> and, and you were uh, kind of string beanish oh, back I in the day. I was a string bean. I yeah. turned sideways and uh, the quarterbacks couldn't see me. <laughs> and I walked on. Things went very well. Players were so cool to me. I remember, you know, Greg Pitts, Bryce Doman, Tom Young, all those guys just, you know, took me under their wing. And I absolutely loved playing football for BYU. It, it just resonated with uh, deep inside my spirit. I loved it. I loved it. Larry was a BYU player, made sure you became a BYU player. You came out, everyone knows, a lot of people know you came as a walk-on, but not for long. You gave yourself a timetable, didn't you? You said, I would come to BYU, I will walk on. For a year. But if it doesn't work after a year, i got things to do. I I'm told mo- Coach Chow, I said, I'll, he said, you got to be patient with me. Be patient. And I said, I'll give you a year. I'll give it everything I got. And after a year, if I don't deserve a scholarship, tell me. I've got other things to do with my life. I'm out of here. And it worked out so that that very first, I walked on in spring, 
in that very first training camp, Coach, Coach Edwards said after practice, I want to see Chad Lewis in my office. And I was pumped. I'm walking to the <laughs> office, and Coach Chow said, if, if this is what I think it is, you, you owe me some cookies or something. <laughs> and I walked in there, and he said, Chad, you, you're looking really good. And uh, we're, we decided we're going to go ahead and put you on grant and aid. And I wasn't quite sure if that meant full scholarship, <laughs> um, but I was so pumped. It was one of the very best days of my, of my life. Your freshman season at BYU was my second year on the radio broadcast crew. So I was just getting into the swing of things at around, around the same time you were getting into the swing of things. So yep. you were one of my favorite players because you're one of the guys that I thought about uh, when I think about starting my career. Guys like you come to mind and getting to be on the sideline as I was. I, I had the sideline jetpack on and that was yeah. my job. Paul was James sweet. was calling the game in the booth and I was on the sideline. <laughs> I got great. to see so many great Chad Lewis plays up close and personal. And I went ahead and and found one of them today on uh, on the internet. I just saw that on Twitter. And, and so it's it's your one-handed catch against uh, Ohio State in the 1993 Holiday Bowl, your yep. first bowl. That's right. You make that uh, t- uh, that that you climb you 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 climb the ladder in, in the in the corner by the pylon, and I freeze frame it. You're hugging somebody, and Micah I'm Matsuzaki. You're hugging Micah, <laughs> and I'm in the background, with my little headset on, and my jetpack on. That's really so good sweet. view. What a cool! I remember picture. that play forever. I only wish we would have gotten those last few yards to get in the end zone because we. Are, I thought we were going to win that game. Yeah, I, I had no doubt we were going to win the, that game. At the end of the, I separated my shoulder just before that touchdown. And then at the end of the game, instead of doing that play again, they did the same play but to Drage, and then the ball was overthrown. Yeah. I wanted that one, you know. That was a that was a fun game. I, I really wanted to beat Ohio State that night. So ninety three uh, through ninety six, so many great grabs, including that one. So many high hurdles that you kind of became known for. Those were fun. And and uh, the 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 professional football aspect or notion. When did you really want that? To, when did you think that was going to be a thing for you? Sometime in my career at BYU, I just had a feeling if I stayed healthy and things went well, I could make it in the pros. And I started that started to become a focus for me. Uh, my eating, my lifting, my my mental game. And so when things came together for our 96 BYU Cougar football team. The 14-in-1 year. It, just, it springboarded me into football. Now, I didn't get drafted. I was a horrible blocker, and that's something I had to work on like crazy in the pros. Um, but playing that season with all my teammates, I saw Henry Bloomfield today. He was meeting mm. with Tom Homo. It was so fun to see him. But, you know, Sarkeesian, the whole offense, the whole defense, special teams, we were loaded and to to walk on the field wearing a BYU on my helmet with that group of guys was so special. Mm. It ended up as almost 10 years in the pros as an undrafted free agent. I know you have a special kinship with guys like Danny Sorensen. Yeah, I love him. Who go and do it with Kansas City. And there's others, too, that have done it and still and, do and it. And he's got but, something special in common with me, Andy Reid, one of the best coaches in the history of the NFL. Nice His to have him having your back, isn't oh, it? Oh, man. Your BYU time, and I don't want to gloss over this because it's it's a big part of who you are. Um, there aren't too many couples out there in the world that can say they're both members of someone's Athletic Hall of Fame. But you and Michelle, your wife, are both in the BYU Athletic Hall of Fame. She was an amazing volleyball player. As good as a football player as you were, she was that good at volleyball. And uh, and now Even you, better, I mean. you as a couple have children a ch- who's playing for BYU, it's it's now a family affair, and little Emily, in, in your book, uh, surrounded by greatness. Yep, 
you can see pictures of your kids when they were little wee tots, and there's little Emily, and now Emily is tall and Beautiful striking and, and playing BYU, volleyball. Six yeah. four, I know, I love it. Isn't that something? Now I might have played football, but I'm no dummy. When I saw <laughs> Michelle, I was like, "That girl right there, <laughs> I'll give anything, uh, anything I got for her." So it was definitely worth it. I'm, I'm so grateful for her. But she was a two time All American at BYU, helped her team go to the Final Four. She was really a coach on the court. She was smart. She was super graceful as a volleyball player. Um, she knew exactly where to hit it. She had wonderful chemistry with Shar um, Johnson, her setter, since high school. Um, that was that was quite a time in my life. Well, you're an amazing couple with a great family, and I'm, I think our family is happy to call your family friends. And even though we're not quite neighbors anymore, as you've moved back to Orem, uh, it was been fun. It's been great to be around you as long as as long as I have and we have. And the last minute or two we have, uh, it's interesting that in your life. Athletics and the church have taken you around the world, haven't they? Yeah, they have. I just got back from Ghana. I, I helped Ziggy do a football camp over there, and to see the people of Ghana, their beautiful faces, their their friendly demeanor, and to see Ziggy um, just kind of blossom as a person here, he's very quiet, and to see him over there in his country with his people, he was so he was just um, he was it just just his face was lit up. He was on fire. He was comfortable. Um, and so the experiences I've had because of football or because of being a missionary, being a member of the church, I, I'm, I have nothing but gratitude. From Ghana to China to Kilimanjaro, you've done a lot of amazing things. A lot of doors have been opened uh, since you've been at BYU, and they continue to be opened. In the last minute we have, tell folks what it is you do on campus today. Um, the director of the fundraising team for the athletic department. So I work with Robbie Bosco and Lee Johnson, Mike Middleton, and others. I'm so grateful that I get to work with the coaches, the players, Tom Homo, who just left here talking about captaincy. Mm -hmm. Talk about a world-class captain. He's our captain. He said, Chad, I want you to be the director of this team. But if you're only worried about getting shekels, you're going to miss the boat. I want you to be with our student-athletes. I want you to build relationships with them and our coaches. And let BYU go through you and everyone else. And I'm, I'm so grateful that his perspective is just like that because, yes, I'm raising money, but it's way more than raising money. This is about BYU, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. This has been our Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni Connected for Good. Find your chapter and get connected at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. Chad, so grateful to you for coming in on this uh, debut edition of the show. I'm sure we'll do it again sometime. I just wanted to make tonight the night for sure. Thank you. So much fun to be with you, Greg. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate it. That's Chad Lewis. And wow, we've already gotten to the end of our first hour of our first show. We'll come back and wrap it up. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, byuradio.org, and the BYU Radio app. We'll come back to say so long. Thanks for tuning in on night number one of our first show. We're back right after this. Thank you. My sincere thanks to BYU TV Sports Spencer, Spencer Linton, to BYU AD Tom Holmo, and to BYU Associate AD Chad Lewis for joining us on the premiere edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. 
Hope you enjoyed the program out there. If you missed it live here on BYU Radio, we invite you to catch it on demand via the show page at byuradio.org or on the Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast feed. You can find that on your favorite podcast platform provider. Among our featured guests on next week's show, new BYU assistant coach Heath Schroyer. We'll tune in next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Eastern, for Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. I am Greg Rubel, thanking you for tuning in on our debut edition. We'll talk to you next week. So long and go Cougars.